All right, let's um, turn in our Bible to Psalm 100. A few months back, we looked at what we do in worship in terms of our physical being, lifting our hands, uh, raising our voices, shouting, clapping, and different things. Uh, but today, I'd like to look at what we sing in worship, what we sing in worship and why we actually worship. So if you're in Psalm 100, it's a short psalm, let's read that together. A psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are a good God. We thank you that you bless us over and over and over again. And we ask, God, that you would open our eyes to your scriptures, to what you have to speak to us today, God. Make our hearts tender. Help us to be like the man in James who looks at himself in the mirror and then remembers what he looks like when he walks away, God. We want to be not only hearers of the word, but doers of the word. We ask that you would continue to inhabit uh, the rest of our worship service, God. We thank you that we have the privilege of worshiping you now. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first point I want to make to you is that worship is a time of rejoicing. It's a time of rejoicing. So when we're coming together publicly, I would say probably the primary reason that we're worshiping is to rejoice, to praise God, to lift up his name, to magnify him, to extol who he is. That's why we're coming together each week. The fellowship, I love you guys, you guys are awesome, but that's really secondary. We're here corporately to come together to praise the one true God. Now, who helps facilitate that? The worship team, right? And Hannah and the rest of the worship team do a phenomenal job, don't they? We can clap for them, actually. They're putting in time during the week. They're up here throughout the week. Hey, we got a new drum cage. It's like a trap, really, for Sterling, so he doesn't try to sneak out of here. But we got some real drums now, too, and we've slowly been working on things. We had a very generous donation last year that allowed us to do some upgrades um, to our worship. Why? Because we want to make sure that when we're worshiping the Lord, we're doing it to the best of our ability. Now, can we just do it with, like, a little box, and we're just, like, beating on the side of it? Well, sure. It says make a joyful noise to the Lord, right? But I think he wants sometimes that noise to be a little bit pleasant hearing to the ears, right? <laughs> And we're blessed with the worship team that can do that. So, worship is a time of rejoicing. Look at Psalm 34. In verse 1 it says this of Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. What's that saying? That really, and I think I exhorted us last week before we started worshiping, is that worship really is an 
really throughout our entire life. Our entire life, our being, everything we do, say, breathe, is an act of worship. And this verse kind of embodies that. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. That means at all times. Not just for the 30 or 45 minutes a week here when we're singing, but when we're driving our car, when we're watching TV even, whatever we're doing, when we're at the basketball game. It's this idea that one author calls practicing the presence of God. Practicing the presence. Uh, we have a verse in First Thessalonians, pray continually. What's that idea? Of trying to be aware that the Lord is with us at every single second. That's challenging to do, because oftentimes we get caught up in our own ways and our own things, and we can go minutes, hours, sometimes the entire day, without the thought of the Lord even crossing our mind. Well, that really goes against verses like this in 1 Thessalonians 5, right? The idea is to be continually walking with him. He is with us everywhere we go, right? So, if you had your best friend with you, and they were with you everywhere you went, and you didn't really talk to them throughout the day, that'd be kind of weird, right? Right? Well, we have the King of Kings with us, wherever we go. Wherever we go. So, we're to exalt his name, if we keep reading. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. And that's what we're doing, right? Every single week we come together, we are exalting together his name for his glory. But worship is also a time of repentance and confession. Did you know there's actually psalms that theologians call the penitential psalms? All right, or psalms of repentance. Look at Psalm 6. It says in verse 1, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. But be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you, and she old who will give you praise. I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. What's going on here? Repentance, right? Persons pouring out their heart before the Lord. David is. We have to remember what the Psalms are. What are they? They were the corporate worship book for Israel. This is what they sang to the Lord. These are the songs. And, and many of the songs we sing today are, are Psalms, just with maybe some slight variations. This is what Israel worshipped to week after week for hundreds, thousands of years. And here we have it for us today as an example, a model for us to follow when we're worshiping the Lord. So, repentance and confession should be an aspect of our worship before the Lord. When we're here together, not just in your prayer closet. I don't know if you've ever been in worship. Uh, maybe sometimes it's like out of nowhere, the Holy Spirit 
convicts you of something. All right? Well, you need to practice the repentance and confession part of worship. And you really need, if you're singing along, you probably just need to stop singing and spend a little bit of personal time with the Lord and confess that sin and get it right. So repentance and confession. Look at Psalm 32. In verse 1 it says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. And then listen to this part. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the, by the heat of summer. Have you ever been in that position where you've been walking in unrepentant sin knowingly? I've been there. It's not a very good place to be. It's not a very fun place to be. And these verses ring true because it's like the Lord's hand, His convicting hand, is weighing down on you. And you know it. And yet, in our sinfulness, we don't want to repent of it. We don't want to turn away. What does he say, though? In verse 5, I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. And that's what God promises for each one of you. Through Christ, we have the promise of the forgiveness of sins if we will come before him. If you're worshiping and you're convicted, stop and repent and confess. If you're going along in your daily life and he convicts you, stop, repent, come before him. These verses are promises for you. He forgives. He forgives each one of you. And if you're in unrepentant sin right now, I exhort you to stop right now and repent. And he will forgive. Turn back to him. So worship is a time of repentance and confession. It's also a time of reflection. Look at Psalm 63. Listen to this in verse 5. It says, My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. Any of you have trouble getting to sleep at night sometimes? Okay, I don't have that problem, but... I really don't. I, I'm out like a light. But some of you toss and turn, and are, you know what? And I have one of my, my, my sons is like that. It takes him forever to go to bed, regardless of what activities we've done that day. Spend time with the Lord. Spend time with the Lord. Right? That's what, that's what David's doing here. When I remember you upon my bed. Spend time with the Lord. Meditate on how good he is. Worship him. Pray to him. So it's a time of reflection. Look at Psalm 139. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. 
You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. That's sometimes a little disturbing to me, to be quite honest. I was thinking about that the other day as I was contemplating something that wasn't very pleasant. And I'm like, it's a little, a little convicting to know that, that none of you all know what I was thinking about, but the Lord knows what I was thinking about. And he knows what was going on in my heart. It's a little disturbing. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. What's going on? The psalmist here is meditating, reflecting, thinking upon God and who he is and how he interacts with us. He's meditating. He's basically chewing on what what God is, who he is, how he works. There's different books that can help us with that. I recommended a book to a gentleman the other day. It's this thin, little, tiny paperback book, Uh, Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. Uh, but you really, if, it's not, you just, you can't read it like a book. You can maybe read a page a day. Because it is so packed, thick, that you just, you read a couple sentences and you have to stop. Why? Because it is talking about who God is. And if we want to truly understand who he is, if we want to truly understand his heart, well, we can't just be flipping about it. It takes deep searching. Look, we are finite beings trying to commune, interact, have a relationship with an infinite being. That's not always easy to do. That can take much effort on our part if we want to know him at deep and intimate levels. Yet worship, I believe, provides one of the contexts where we can do that. And I've been in worship here with you all, and the Lord has spoken to me many, many times about different things. Why? Because I've put myself into a position where I'm coming to him with my heart open, lifting up my voice to him, and I'm in a place where I can receive from him, where he can speak to me. Look, there's... Different worship services are going to have various aspects of meditation or worship or repentance. And not every worship service is going to have every single one of those aspects every single time. We need to learn to worship in each of those aspects. Because sometimes we'll be singing a song about repentance or confession, and I look around and doesn't look like much repentance or confession is going on. We're just kind of mouthing some words. And sometimes we're singing a song about meditation or reflection or about our personal relationship with the Lord. And I look around, and it's like there's just kind of a flippancy. Well, I don't know how we can be flippant with our relationship with the Lord. We shouldn't be. And sometimes people are singing their hearts out. We're singing about how great God is. And I look around, and people are just kind of standing there. 
how, how can we be coming before the Lord in His presence? And I feel like if Jesus Himself appeared on the stage, that that would change our attitude. And all of a sudden, we'd perk up and start worshiping. But how sad. Because He's already here. If we need Him to physically appear, then that's really more an issue that we have with our heart. He's already here. The Word says, He inhabits the praises of His people. The triune God is here every time we open our mouths and start to listen, lift up our voices. Every time the guitar strums, God is here. So we need to learn to worship in those various aspects, especially the ones that we don't like. All right, Some of you like to get all pumped up and jumping about and screaming and shouting, and that's awesome. Praise the Lord. But then when we kind of go into the reflective mode, you're like, what is this stuff? What's this slow stuff? What's this me and the Lord stuff? You, you have to learn to worship in each of those aspects. They're there in the scriptures. That's the, what we need to do is be able in each of those aspects to learn to worship. Look, some want the celebration. I get it. Some just want the reflectiveness. I get it. I have my flavor that I like, but it's not about me. It's not about me. Not about you. So we have to learn to worship with whatever the flavor is that's going on. And here's the thing. I mean, when we look at the Psalms in regards to, let's just say, the words or the music, we see a wide variety and a whole bunch of different things. Uh, Think of Psalm 119. Turn there, actually. We're going to read the whole thing. But that's what Israel did. They worshiped to it. How many verses is it? Look, flip to the very end. It's probably going to be like five or six pages you're going to have to turn in your Bible. 176 verses. I mean, can you imagine trying to sing Psalm 119 with your eyes closed the whole time? It wouldn't go that well, right? Unless you got a great memory. And can you imagine the person running the slides in the back? I mean, there'd be like 75 slides. And that's not a song you want to jump all over the place, you know? The worship leader's like, go to verse 124. You'd be done with 124 by the time you got there with the slides. And think if, you know, the the service is wrapping up and the the pastor just gets done preaching and, you know, the the worship leader comes up and says, we're going to close with Psalm 119, (laughs) all right? You'd probably cringe. <clears throat> but if you're in Psalm 119, go back to the beginning of it. And then go two chapters earlier to Psalm 117. That's the shortest psalm. In the Hebrew, it's only 20 words. Look at Psalm 134. Another short psalm. 34 words in the Hebrew. And for you New Testament lovers, look at Revelation 4. In Revelation 4, in verse 8, it says, And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. 
Now, that's a pretty short worship song. But that's what these creatures are doing. It says, day and night, they never cease to say it. I mean, that's like their job, is to say that, to worship the Lord with those words. So, what we see is that some songs are quite long. Some can be very short. There's, some, there's a simplicity to some songs. There's a majest, majesty, a majesticness, let's say, to some songs. But we have a great variety in the scriptures. I haven't even begun to mention the instruments yet. Look at 2 Samuel 6. This is when they're bringing the ark up to Jerusalem. And it says in 2 Samuel 6, in verse 5, And David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. Other psalms talk about trumpets. Psalm 98, you don't need to turn there. But look at Psalm 150. We have an entire psalm focused on instruments. Psalm 150. In verse 3, it says, Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All these different instruments. There's different categories of instruments. Some of you musicians out there probably know these. Let's see if you guys know them, okay? A membranophone. How do you say it, Laura? Well, I'm, be, I'm being corrected by the music teacher. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> You're going to correct me when not tell me the correct way. Thank you. <clears throat> it's basically the drums, okay? Think of like a membrane, right? And you're beating on it. What about aerophone? Did I say that one right? Thank you. <laughs> aerophone. What's an aerophone? You blow air through it, right? Trumpet, trombone. What about idiophones? <laughs> that's not the phone that you have that's real cheap, okay? <laughs> that's symbols, okay? Made of naturally like sonorous material, things that resound. The xylophone would fall into this category too, actually. Okay, chordophones. The, uh, <laughs> Old phones that have the cord attached. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Chordophone is a stringed instrument. The harp, the lyre, the guitar. So we got all sorts of instruments, right? I'd like to see a lyre, a lyre up here or a harp at some point. So, Hannah, if you can get working on that, we'd, you know, a little strumming going on. That looks pretty cool. <clears throat> what else do we see in the Psalms? We see repetition. And I've heard people be like, man, we see, it's like you sing, there's like 20 words to that song, like Psalm 117. 
And we sing those, that psalm over and over and over and over and over and over again. Well, we actually see repetition in the psalms if you think about it. Look at Psalm 118. The first four verses here end up repeating. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. Now, they could have just started, just done one verse, right? Everyone says, let the steadfast love of the Lord endure forever, right? But there's repetition here. There's nothing wrong with that. Look at Psalm 136. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. And after every single verse, the first part, there's a response of, his steadfast love endures forever. Now, it could have been responsive singing, where the leader or the leaders are singing something, and then the people are responding. That's possible. We don't know. But the point is, we got a whole lot of repetition here. And it's part of the scriptures. It's a song that they sang. You know, some of the psalms are pretty vague and don't have much to do with God. Look at Psalm 133. Look at the title. A Song of Ascents of David. That's in the original Hebrew. That's actually, if you have your Hebrew Bible, I know you all do, um, that's actually verse 1. A song of ascents of David. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing life forevermore. doesn't have much to do with about the Lord, really, in a specific, straight-to-him point of way. But it's talking about unity. And here they're singing about it. We sang a song years ago like that. Brother, let me be your servant. Let me be like Christ to you. Right? And then other psalms are intimate and personal. And I've heard the criticism before that's like, oh, we sing too much I or me and not enough we and us. There's a very healthy use of both in the psalms. Some psalms are about we and us. But many of the psalms are about I and me. Let's look at a few of those. Psalm 13. Now notice the title, To the Choir Master, A Psalm of David. Okay, so this is, this is one of the songs they sing. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice, because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. 
My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Very intimate and personal. We're singing a song like that that's really focusing on you, each one of you individually with the Lord. Look at Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise, arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And it goes on and on. Okay, Again, I and me, very personal. You and the Lord. What's my point for all this? One is that there's a place for variety in our worship today. For great variety. Songs with many words. Songs with few. Songs with a variety of instruments, including instrumental songs. Songs with repetition. Songs that are intimate. Songs about the family of God. But here's the thing. Look, I love theology. I really do. And I love truth. And I only want to sing truth in our worship songs. And I want our songs to glorify God. But I think that some of us are missing out on worship because we get so critical over particular worship songs. Because they're not our flavor. It's not fast enough. It's not slow enough. Too many words. Not enough words. Too much repetition, too simple, too complex. If this is you, you're missing out. You're missing out. The worship service is not meant to be a time where you're critically like trying to think about every minute point of it's too fast or it's too slow. That's not meant that we sing heretical songs, okay? I get that. But don't miss my point. If you're trying to break down every single song, you're really missing out on the point of worship. And that's you glorifying the Lord. Look, we're all going to have flavors that we like. I get that. Like I said, I have my own flavor. But we need to engage the Lord. Look, when I went to Belize the first time years ago, um... What we have in terms of musical ability and what some of those churches have in terms of musical ability is like a a vast, wide gap. And so when I entered the church and they started to play these out-of-tune guitars with their not-on-pitch voices, I was like, wow, this is going to be a really long church service. (laughs) But you know what I quickly saw Was, was their heart for the worship. And so, some of the sweetest worship I've been a part of has been in in Belize with these people that they're totally sold out for the Lord. And they don't have a mixer or even a sound guy in the back, though they probably need one. Um, They don't have instruments that are shiny and brand new. They're out of tune. They don't even know how to tune them sometimes. That's not to insult them. They just don't have the equipment to do it. It'd be challenging if we didn't have our equipment 
They play it very well. But their heart is for the Lord. And so they come before him and they bring what they have. And they offer it to him. And that's really where we need to be in worship. We come before him and we offer him what we have. We give it all to him. Look, every psalm is not my favorite psalm, but it's there. The psalm is there, and it's there to be sung and spoken to God, and it's scripture. It was put in the scriptures for our benefit. So, if every worship song isn't my favorite, what am I going to do? Just stand there idly during that song? Well, that makes it more about me. And it's not about me. And it's not about you. It's about the Lord. And I understand we don't want 50 flavors of just about the same thing. Vanilla, vanilla light, vanilla diet, vanilla 10, <laughs> vanilla without sugar, vanilla with Splenda, vanilla with lime. Okay, it's like you're going down the aisle of chopping save or something. But we need to make sure we personally don't get stuck in our own vanilla mold and that we're only going to worship when we get our flavor. Because that's wrong. We need to worship period. And you need to be at a place in your relationship with the Lord that as long as there's some type of joyful noise being put before you, you can worship him. Because really, ultimately, it is about your heart. It's not about the person's heart next to you or in front of you. It's not about the people on the stage and what they're doing. It's about you engaging God in worship. You magnifying him. You worshiping him. So some of us need to break out of our vanilla mold. We just need to break it. There is richness in diversity. And there's richness in complexity. But there's also richness in simplicity. And there's richness in repetition. Look at Psalm 95. It says, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. This he is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Masa in the wilderness when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For forty years I loathed that generation and said, They are people who go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Therefore I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Did you see how it started out? Come let us worship and bow down, let us kneel. Seven, he is our God. At the end of seven, today if you hear his voice, and then it goes really into almost like a rebuke. If you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. And here we are in worship. Don't harden your hearts. 
Open your heart to him. Don't harden it. Listen to his voice and respond and give him the worth, the worship that he is due. Let's be willing to rejoice, to meditate, to confess, repent during our worship for his glory. For his glory. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that our worship would be worship that glorifies you. That we'd be willing to come before you and pour out our heart, God, to give you everything. Lord, give us worship. Make our hearts, God, purified. Refine our hearts. Let us be willing to confess our sin before you, God. Help us to understand the deep things of you. Give us insight into your heart. Lord, we ask for a spirit of true worship here at Liberty, that your name might be glorified. Help us not to be nitpicky with the particular words or songs or the the speed of which we're playing it, God but to be concerned about glorifying you in our words and our actions. Lord, we want your name lifted up. We want your name to be magnified among the nations. We want people who come in here who don't know you to see that our hearts are fast after you. That we are sold out for you, God. And that we want to see your glory. Lord, I pray for those people who maybe don't have a heart for worship, who are stuck in a particular flavor, God, that you would just kind of mold, shape their hearts. That it's not about, it's not about us. It's about you. May you be glorified, Lord, in our lives and in our worship. I pray this in Jesus' name.